1: All right, guys, welcome back to the Equip You and Grace podcast. My name is Dave, and I'm the host for this show. And with me today is my friend and our sister in Christ, Deborah Howard. Deborah, welcome back to the Equip You and Grace podcast.
0: Thank you, Dave. Thanks for having me back on.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I think it's been a little while. Can you uh, catch us up on what's been happening in your life and marriage and, you know, ministry and, you know, any any ministry projects that you're working on?
0: I've um... I've finished a major edit for another author. Uh, that was a daunting task, and I finished that one um, in January. I had a my first novel came out called "As Snow Before a Summer Sun." It's a very good book. I suggest all your readers get a copy. Um, and now uh, on um, on the sixteenth, I've got a new book called. Um, Jonathan Edwards and the Christian Pilgrim. It's officially releasing. I've got a copy right
1: here. Ooh, nice cover.
0: And it's my first hardback. Oh,
1: nice. Yeah. That's awesome.
0: Then in um, in May, I mean in, in June, the audiobook for my first novel is coming out. And then July, the second installment of the series of historical fiction is coming out. It's called Long Journey Home. And then in January, the third installment of the series called Coming Full Circle is coming out. And then um, later in the spring, um, um, my book on worry, fear and anxiety called A Quiet Confidence from Christian Warrior to Christian Warrior. And mm-hmm. that's coming out, I think, in the spring by uh, PNR is publishing that.
1: Oh, oh. oh good. Good. Yeah. And I'm really excited about that. That'll, that'll be that'll be exciting. That so so
0: I've decided to, with all of these books coming out now, I've decided to um, take a little bit of a hiatus and, uh, and work on some other things this year. Yeah, that's good. But everything seems to be going well.
1: Good. Good. Glad to hear it. Glad to hear it. Well, can you tell us about this this very helpful book, Jonathan Edwards and the Christian Pilgrim, um, why you wrote it and how you hope it will be received?
0: In 2020, uh, my father um, was dying and um, I was privileged to be able to sit next to him and hold his hand and um, encourage him and um, love him during those final days. And so I was thinking a lot about heaven and I was trying to encourage him and the Lord saying, you know, just think, Daddy, you know, really soon you're going to be face to face with Christ. And how wonderful is that going to be? And you'll be able to move and you'll be able to see and you'll be able to think and, and you'll be able to be more alive than you've ever been in your life and feel more love than you've ever felt in your life. And I would sing to him. I would, I would uh, pray with him. But always, my mind was on heaven. And I remembered this, um, this sermon that I had read years ago called The Christian Pilgrim. And it was like a pep rally for heaven. And I have sent it to people who were in the last of their lives and uh, the last part of their lives, I'll say. And they most of them responded back with how encouraging it was to them and how it stirred their heart. So I thought about that sermon. And uh, so after Daddy died, and um, I, I looked up that sermon. I had kept it in a file, and I read it again. And once again, my heart was just stirred and excited about The prospect of heaven. So I decided uh, I want to write about this and I want to bring it into the 21st century. I want to bring it to a whole new generation of people who've never read this before because this message that Jonathan Edwards wrote about is just as relevant now as in the 1740s when he wrote it originally. And, uh, but But for some people, reading Puritan uh, writing is like slogging through. So I wanted to put it in more current language. I have a writing style that is very like sitting across the dining table talking to people. And so I wanted to put his beautiful, wonderful messages Mm -hmm. in some kind of form that would make it easier for people these days to read it and comprehend what he was saying, you are a writer, so you know how unusual this is. But I wrote this book in one month. Mm. It, 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 it was uh, it was um, something that I was just on fire with, and the words just flowed, and it just uh, it just came together. Yeah. And then um, you know, you were very encouraging to me during that time. Um, Uh, You knew I was writing this book and everything. So, yeah, yeah, I wrote it for people because the message needs to be out there now. And the message is this. This is not our destination. This life is not where we should camp out. This life is not where we should expend all our energies and focus on. You know, Colossians 3 tells us that we need to keep our eyes on heavenly things, on things that are eternal. We need to, that is our focus. So I started thinking about a marquee that I'd seen that said, we should live our lives with the end in sight. And I thought, well, that's kind of gruesome and morose and uh, who would want to do that? And I, I was thinking that would be kind of. But then I was I was thinking of the end being death. Well, if you think about the end being death, it is morose. But that's not our end. If we believe in Christ, then our end will be. <laughs> our, there will be no end. You know that it's an eternity with Christ, and yes. if you look at that. And with the end in sight, letting that be the end that we're we're thinking about, then it's doing the same thing that Colossians three teaches us to do, and that is to keep our eyes on the heavenly things. Heaven being the final destination, not our lives here.
1: That's really well. Long
0: answer, but that's what caused me to write it.
1: Yeah. No, that's that's fantastic. That's really a good answer because you know, we're we're living in this time where You know, we both know there's there's all sorts of trouble in world history, and then there's the trouble of our personal lives living in a post fall world. And we we need to we need to be fix our we need to look up from our lives and from the world, and we need to we need to set our gaze on heaven, as Paul said in Second Timothy four eight. He was longing for that day. Um, and at the end of his life, you know, and uh, we we need that kind of encouragement. And Edwards was so good at this. you know, he he wrote with such passion and such precision. And you know, he in religious like religious affections, he he says that one of his main goals is is to raise our affections or raise our emotions, if you will, to the highest level. Uh, with not, not, uh, not a divorce from the truth, but with the truth of scripture. And that was his aim in preaching. And I think, I think that what you're doing is is the same thing as Edwards did is taking the truth of scripture and helping us to raise our gaze up with the truth to, to heaven. That's the only way that we can know, you know, what heaven is, is because it's revealed in the Bible. You know, you would think that wouldn't be a controversial thing today, but believe me when I tell you it, it actually really is. Um, yeah. And so, um, you know, I had the, I had gave me the great privilege of endorsing this book along with, uh, you know, our dear brother, uh, Joel Beakey. Um, and uh, I always, I always usually tell people about the, read the endorsement. So I said that you, you know, Deborah had, had done us a great service with this book for the hurting, the struggler and the biblical counselor. So if you're hurting, if you're struggling um, or if you're a biblical counselor or you're, you're outside of that, you're a pastor um, this book will, this book will help you. So
0: I think uh, it has a unique perspective towards uh, heaven and, and towards our lives. Um, And uh, I appreciate what you said about, Edwards because he actually lived his life like that. He had such an exalted view of God and such a an intense devotion for the Lord. And um, one of the things I've said in my book, I actually was, can we aspire to that? <laughs> Will we ever reach that level of devotion ourselves? And the answer was probably not. <laughs> but the blessing is in the striving, and that's what I wanted to get across. And that striving towards this standard of devotion to the Lord is, I think, um, makes this little book. And it is look, it's short, it's little, yeah. and unlike my other books that are thick, <laughs> but um, <laughs> I usually don't do short. But yeah. um, but it's just a really sweet little uh, little book, and. Um, and I hope everybody who reads it has a stirred heart as a result of it mm, amen how
1: How did your live experience as a hospice nurse help you think more about death and our hope in Christ?
0: Well, thinking about death is an occupational hazard for hospice nurses. Um, and I was a hospice nurse for twenty six years. So I was with a lot of people who or dying, um, sitting at their bedside or holding their hands or ministering to their families. And so I have had more exposure to death and dying than the regular John Q. Public. Um, So and people would say to me, oh, that's so depressing um, But you know what? I think that depends on what your own perspective is about death and dying. Mm. And um, to me, it wasn't depressing. It was sad, but not depressing. It was um, it was sometimes heartbreaking and poignant. But I always came home at the end of the day, knowing that God had used me that day. To make a difference in somebody's life. And isn't that what we pray all the time? Lord, use me as a vessel. Use me as a vessel. In hospice, God uses people as a vessel all the time. And so it was uh, It was a great blessing for me to be a hospice nurse. And also, you've heard that book about Don't Sweat the Small Stuff. And everything's a small stuff, really. Because when you're dealing with death and dying, um, you realize that so many things that people um, fixate upon are not really that important in the big scheme of things. And it really helps me. I've always been a real laid back person. So it really helps me be even more laid back to realize, hey, this is hard. But you know what? It's not death and dying here. Um and so yeah, I think it really has improved my perspective for life to have been surrounded by so many deaths over the years. Mm. And um it it's given me a lot of um perspective. I guess that's the biggest thing.
1: Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's that's really good. You know, we we can just cruise through you know, life and we can forget, you know, this, this, like you said earlier, this is in our home. Um, and death reminds us that, of that, you know, that it's, it's, this is in our home and it doesn't make it any, any hard, uh, less hard to, you know, when somebody that we love and care about dies, it doesn't make it less hard, but in the midst of it, it means that we have hope and, um,
0: mm-hmm.
1: You know we have hope here and we have hope forever and you know of course we have the hope of christ that we cling to in the midst of our grief and i think that that i mean you know as we think about even the last couple years with you know many people passing away for a variety of things with COVID or other things and you know that's something that you know we should really Think about you know. I think if 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 anything, it would sober sober our perspective. It would teach us to it, it teaches us to remember that every day is really a gift. And
0: um, absolutely, that's true.
1: You know, that's it. And that,
0: James I, tells us that our lives are good at breath, just and then they're gone. And so with that, also you you learn from that. You can't invest everything in. A breath. Amen. What's more important is what comes after that. And that is life with Christ for an eternity. And um, so, yeah, and I, I'm glad you mentioned hope, because that's one of the threads that runs through uh, Jonathan Edwards' sermon, The Christian Pilgrim. And uh, so what I hope I have uh, accomplished in writing about it, I hope that that, that does come through.
1: Yeah, definitely. It definitely has. I think the other thing it helps us to do. I think we might forget is is death. Thinking about death with the hope of with the view of the hope of heaven, it sh- it should teach us to be tender and compassionate, um, and humble towards others. And that's a that that's a comforting thought. But if you if you really follow it all the way down and think about it personally, uh, it's a, that's that's pretty convicting too. You know. <laughs> Right.
0: And Jonathan Edwards had a tremendous love for the lost. There's no way in the world that I can compare my love for the lost with his. Um, But it does cause you to think about that um, and to maybe improve your love for the lost. When you think about what our eternity is and what the alternative to that is. Mm. You don't want anybody to experience that. And it would be really easy if we knew who God had chosen for to be his people, you know, Uh, but we don't know that. So therefore, we need to share this, these truths, this hope with uh, with everybody, because we don't know um, who he's chosen and who is not.
1: Amen. Well, how does Hebrews eleven help us to hold on to the promises of God in the present while we look forward to the return of our Lord?
0: Well, we were just talking about hope, and um, you know they hoped the the people in Hebrews eleven. It's called the, or well, some people call it the um, hall of faith. And these people that are mentioned in um, in the hall of faith are people who did not ever see the realization of the hope they had Mm. in the Lord. Um, They lived their lives looking forward and trusting and believing in what he said, but they didn't actually get to see uh, their hope come to fruition. So that is a good lesson for us too. These people were commended for their hope. It wasn't important to the Lord that that hope didn't happen In their lifetimes, what was important to the Lord was their faith and their hope and their their faith in things to come. And so we've also got things in our future, things to come, and we have to have that same kind of hope and expectation and faith to know that those things also will come to pass, whether they happen in our lifetimes or not. So I think the hall of faith is very encouraging to any believer. Yeah, it's really good. How does
1: understanding more of the character of God revealed in scripture help the Christian to face life with hope in the Lord?
0: Well, that's a big question and it is. That's a that's a huge answer too because uh, apart from the the Bible we can't know anything about the Lord. So when you say you need to get to know the character of the Lord, the way that you do that is through intensively studying his word, because that is how he reveals himself to us. He doesn't just zap that knowledge into our heads. It does require some effort on our part to study and to learn. And the more we study and the more we learn about him, I think the more we will have faith in him, the greater our devotion will be towards him. And I think that the more hope we will have and things that he has told us are yet to come. Really good.
1: I think if we had that particular perspective, you know, towards what you said, what that would do is rather than pointing finger at God and maybe even blaming him or complaining or grumbling, it would fill us with, you know, joy because of Christ. It would, we would Christ. do at first grace, uh, you know, thankfulness first mm-hmm. Thessalonians 5 21, more fruits of the spirit. You know, God is an, in, in and in, in God, like you're saying, God isn't doing these things in our lives to harm us. He's doing it to help us, you know, and nothing is beyond, we would say, his gaze or his knowledge. Um, he's working all things uh for his good and for you know our good as well. And so you know it's that's that's a profound encouragement what you're saying. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, that's what we see in scripture, you know you, you look at joseph here here he is. he was put in he he was sold into slavery. he ended up in prison. It would be easy for Joseph to become, you would think, according to modern Christian thinking, it would be easy for Joseph in Genesis to to be kind of bitter against God and you know, even harden his heart against God. And you don't you don't see Joseph doing that. Instead, you see now. God orchestrating. I think Joseph understood that God was orchestrating all the events of his life and um he was going to use it for his good. And Joseph rose up from prison. Um, to being this, the the second person in command of the, the Egyptian Empire, um, and that and God placed him there. That's a, I think that's
0: Joseph a, was one of the most exemplary people in the Bible. He in every in every crossroads he chose the right path, and um, and I, I I love Joseph. I think that he is one of my favorite uh, characters of the Old Testament because he does everything right. And um, and it, it does say that in everything he did, God gave him success. And um, so I think that Joseph was, it doesn't say a man after God's own heart like it does with with David. But I think Joseph was very much a man after God's own heart. And his uh, understanding was tremendous. I'm, I'm glad you brought Joseph up. Yeah. He's one of my faves.
1: Yeah, me too. Me too. 'Cause you know, we are gonna face trouble. We're gonna face hardship. And mm-hmm. you know, the flesh, the flesh does wanna point the finger. And I mean, look at look at that, look at that story. Wouldn't it have been easy for Joseph with Potiphar's wife to be like, I didn't do anything wrong. I didn't I didn't lust after her, you know. I didn't I didn't try to do anything inappropriate. And yet here you have and he goes to prison. You know. And the
0: truth is, people do suffer unjustly, um, at times. Yeah. So.
1: Exactly. Don't. I guess. I guess what we're. I guess what we're trying to say is, don't become bitter in those times. You know, towards God. Don't. Don't harden your heart. You know, um, towards the Lord, and and point the finger at Him. Under. Look at Joseph, and you know, rem, rem, remind yourself. And and have others remind you of God's, you know, goodness and faithfulness to you. And, you know, I need that. I need that as well. As, as we're about to talk about here, um, how, do, how do Christian friends help us in, in with these things, reminding each other of, you know, the truth of Scripture and walking with one another with the love of Christ?
0: Well, actually, you know this recently from your experience because uh, you lost a very dear brother and that that you loved a brother in the faith and um other people were there for you supporting you loving you through the grief of uh, of that time i think that, that that is uh christian friends let you know that you're not alone you don't have to go through this alone um and so i think that christian friends are like a splint for us it's like a splint is to a broken leg you put it on and you can actually maybe walk a little bit. You can move forward and friends help you do that. They, they help you move forward. And um, sometimes, um, you know, I've had to tell people, you know, I listen to them and I make sure I understand what they're saying. And, you know, sometimes I have to say, well, you know what? Uh, that's some shabby thinking there because and then I go on and, and bring the scriptures to bear. Um, sometimes people need to be confronted with their uh, with their their bad thinking. Um A lot of times when you're going through trauma, you're not thinking at all. You're just feeling. You're just feeling the pain. And so what comes out of your mouth sometimes is an expression of that. Mm. And there are t- there's a time and place for a Christian brother or sister. To confront that kind of thinking, you don't do it in the heat of the trauma, but it, if it needs to be, then you've got to be there, and that is just as loving towards that person as surrounding them with a big, friendly hug. The hug feels good for a second, but sometimes an encouraging word will actually do them better for a longer If it appeals to their thinking and reminds them who God is and who they are, I think that I think Christian friends are really important. That's why I don't think Christians should wall themselves off or isolate themselves, um, especially in the, the hard times. You may not want to be with people, you may not want to get up and get dressed and leave the house. Um, because it's so much easier just to stay home and and veg. But you know what? When you're going through a hard time, if you do find the energy to get dressed and leave and surround yourself with people, people can energize you. They can give you the strength to carry on. Mm. Um, so I wrote another book once called um, "Helps Help, I'm So Lonely. And it talks about this this deal with isolation, loneliness, depression. And uh, in that book, I advise people do not isolate, because that's when you start getting in trouble. Because you start listening to yourself and you start focusing only on yourself. And when you're with people, that forces you to think outside of yourself and to let them kind of come in and support you and and encourage you so yeah that's something that's one of my uh go-to philosophies do not isolate in the hard times Mm -hmm. you might need to remind me of that if if and when i go through my hard times and want to isolate but um but i do know that that's the right answer yeah yeah
1: isn't that isn't that funny we know the we know the right answers uh when when uh, mike you know my dear mentor died. You know, I went through over a year of biblical counseling with a trained biblical counselor. You know, he said, Dave, you don't, you don't have any, I don't have any concerns about your spiritual growth or spiritual life. The only thing he said is you need to take some more time to rest. And, uh, you know, in the midst of all that you're doing, just, just, you know, you're already going to do 40 hours or 50 hours a week. Just, you know, take a nap you know or or chill out a little bit you know you can get to it another time or whatever but right now you really you really need to take some time to you know rest and you know um that was it was it was good advice um it's still advice that i i need um you know because and, and it's something that i've had to you know re really be proactive on but it's helped me You know, so much like even just like last week, it was so busy. And I just reminded myself, you know what, all the other stuff, you just need to chill out on Saturday and Sunday and come back on Monday and you you know what, you'll feel better. And boy, did that, that was, that was exactly what I, you know, needed, you know, put a pause Mm -hmm. on, you know, recording and writing and just chill out on the weekend and watch some movies, hang out with my wife. Spend uh, s- spend time, you know, doing other things, and
0: mm-hmm. take you know, a walk. You know, yeah,
1: take a walk. You know, have a
0: lunch with a friend. You know, uh, read a great book. You know, uh, something like that. You know, th- there are things that can help you along. Uh, if you if you stay isolated, you're just going to get morose, and um, so that's not a good thing.
1: And get yeah. out of your if you're anything like me, and you you're very analytical. Uh, you know, you you live in your head, and you can forget that. You know, don't don't you know overanalyze
0: things. You know, it's relationships are important. Yeah, yeah.
1: You know, don't don't live in your head um, too much. So much. It's okay to think. Like, it's okay to think deeply and about things, but don't live in your head. You know, talk with your spouse about things, and then. Zip your lip and listen, you know, when your spouse is helping you and your friends are helping you, you know. Uh, The Bible has something to say to that I I remember I got a letter from my dad, very very, uh, practical here. When I graduated high school, um, this would have been almost 23 years ago now. And he said, Dave, you need to learn James 119 to be slow to speak and quick to listen. And I think I'm still. We all need to
0: learn that lesson. We're,
1: we're all, we're all, we're all still learning that. I mean, uh-huh. I remember Mike. Mike was been in, was a in ministry forty plus years in various things, and I never saw him get angry or upset. And he said, "Dave, the Holy Spirit is still working on me in gentleness." And I said, "Man, if the Holy Spirit is still working on him on gentleness, I mean, wow! I've got a I've got a long way to go. I mean, so I mean." And that's, that's a good thing. And that's what Christian friends remind us of. Where can people go to find out more about you on social media or otherwise?
0: You can go to my website. Um, it's uh, DeborahHoward.net. That'll, that'll uh, list my books and, um, and a little snippet of information about each one to let you know which one to order or which ones to order. And, um, uh, i love them all they're they're like my children and i know a lot of authors say that but it it really is true you devote so much time and effort to them and you love them all and uh, so just like we like to brag on our our kids and our grandkids uh, uh we authors like to brag on their books too so uh i appreciate you giving me the opportunity to brag on this one uh, oh, yeah. i think it's it's a very sweet book. It kind of equates um, our journey with uh, taking a vacation. Um, Jonathan Edwards did made the same analogy, but of course, he didn't have the same experiences with vacations as we do. But I was saying in there, imagine going to an airport and you are on your way home from a trip let's say, and you go to an airport, it doesn't matter how nice the amenities are, how comfortable you are in that airport, your eyes are just fixed on your final destination. You just want to get home. And um, so uh, and that's a little bit of an encapsulation of what this sermon that uh, Jonathan Edwards wrote. Um, because he does the same thing. No, no matter what events are happening in our lives, they're just stops along the way. Mm. And so we shouldn't get too comfortable at any, at, in any of them because we need to keep our eyes fixed on getting home. Yeah, that is like an encapsulation of what this book is about. It's very, um, it's very stirring, I think, and encouraging. When, um, just as a, a, a little FYI, when they were doing the cover for this, the, the first covers they sent me were dark and gloomy and doom and lots of empty trees and everything was gray and dark. Because you think about a, a Puritan and you think about a dark path. And I told them, I said, no, this book is not dark. It's encouraging. It's light. It's full of love. It's full of warmth. Something pastoral would be more in keeping with the the tone of this book. So they sent me this wonderful little pasture of wildflowers and, and grass. And to me, it's peaceful. And that's what this book is. It's a very peaceful book. And I do hope that people buy it. And I do hope that people are blessed by it because uh, it certainly blessed me in writing it.
1: Uh, blessed me in, you know, reading it and then, you know, talking about it today. So I, ho- I hope that our those who listen and watch the show will go ahead and pick it up. It's a, it's a very helpful book. Like I mentioned, I, I did endorse it. Um, it'll help you if you're hurting, if you're struggling. If you help other people who are hurting and struggling, whether you're a friend or a pastor or a biblical counselor or something else, uh, this book, Jonathan Edwards and the Christian Pilgrim: Our Journey Towards Heaven, is is really helpful. So, thank you for your time today and for this another great book and a great conversation on the show.
0: <laughs> Thanks, Dave. Maybe we'll catch you.